Good Monday morning, and welcome to another episode of the podcast Insanity, a Peace of Mind. I am your host, Stephanie. I need to interject something because the nervous system and polyvagal podcasts are building on each other. And while I try and do some recap, I can't recap all of the information. So if you're picking up now in the middle of one where I'm starting a whole thing about states and stories and that kind of thing, you're going to feel a little bit lost. So please, please make sure you're listening from the beginning of the series, which is, I don't know, maybe 145, so that you have the building blocks to understand what the heck I'm talking about. Welcome to episode 149, and I'm going to continue with polyvagal nervous system states and the holiday season. So I'm going to start by doing a little bit of recap. Last week, I asked you to map or track your nervous system, and I used my Thanksgiving preparation and some of my Thanksgiving experiences to show how we may be experiencing our emotional states being the first tier of the ladder, meaning the top of the ladder, if you're visualizing this on a ladder, is the ventral vagal state. This is where you feel socially connected and co-regulated. Co-regulated means you are experiencing some engagement with another human being that is calming to your system, is comforting, and you are experiencing some sort of peace and calm. That's why co-regulate is the word. That means you are with someone, another person, an animal. And it doesn't have to be a physical. And this is a whole different part of this topic, but you can co-regulate with other visual things and not necessarily a person. So if you are the if you are a person who doesn't have another human being or an animal or something living and breathing to co-regulate with, it is possible to co-regulate with images. That's a whole nother area of this podcast, but because I identified co-regulation, I want you to understand that you don't have to have a person. That's number one. That's the, that's the calmest state we can be in. The second one is the sympathetic state. This is where you are potentially feeling danger or like you need to mobilize to do something. You need to fight or flee. You need to fix something. You need to change something. You need to move away from something or you need to move toward something aggressively. This is the sympathetic state. The final state, the bottom state of a ladder is the dorsal vagal state. And this is where you are feeling threatened. Again, it doesn't always mean physical, although in some people's experience, it does. And I'm sorry for that. Because 
it's a hard place to get out of when you don't feel like you have any resources to move up the ladder. So this is where you are shut down and immobilized in a disconnected, hopeless way. Those are the three states. Let's talk briefly about the properties of those states. In a ventral vagal state, you feel connected to yourself. You feel connected to the others. You feel a sense of attunement to the moment. You might be able to filter out distractions. You feel like you have resources, meaning support, whether that's another person or whether those are habits. It could be journaling. It could be listening to meditation. It could be music. Those are your resources. You also, in this state, you also feel like you can offer support to another person. You have capacity. You are not empty. You are full and can provide support to another person. In this state, you are curious. You have an open mind that allows you to consider options in problem solving. You feel like there are answers to your questions and you feel able to go out and find them. You have both self-compassion and compassion and you are flexible and resilient. These are the properties or the ways you might feel in a ventral vagal state. This is a story of connection. And we'll talk about story in a minute because that's important. All right, the properties of a sympathetic state, which is a survival state, would include a sense of unease, impending danger, the urge to mobilize in fight or flight. You might be actively aggressive or you might be shutting down and turning away. You are probably alarmed and perhaps hypervigilant. So this is a story where you don't see the world, you do not see the world as safe and you do not see people as safe. You are looking and listening for danger. This is important. You are missing and misreading any signs of safety that are, are present in this experience. There is a sense of separation, like you are cut off from others and you are disconnected from yourself, others, the world and spirit. These are the conditions or the things you might experience in a sympathetic state. The properties or characteristics of a dorsal, which is also survival, that is the bottom rung, like I said before, you are entering conservation mode. All unnecessary functions in your body are shutting down. You are probably numbing out. You feel a lot of brain fog. You might be physically 
collapsed, but you are certainly emotionally collapsed. You are there. You might feel untethered or like you're floating. There's a sense of dissociation, maybe like you are watching yourself or time goes by and you're not really aware of it. You feel alone, abandoned, unreachable. There is a hopelessness, a sense of despair. Perhaps you want to disappear. So this is a story of disappearing, disconnection, and hopelessness. As you reflect on those properties or those characteristics of those different states, I want you to keep in mind that the autonomic nervous system, where these states or properties take place, does not assign motivation or make any kind of meaning out of what's going on. It is actually our biology and what is going on inside in our gut, in our neurons, in the messages and signals that are sent from our external world into our internal world. The biology either supports or restricts access to the different bodily sensations, thoughts, feelings, behaviors, or beliefs. So the properties in each of these states are only available to us when we are in those states. And when we move from state to state, we gain or lose access to those different properties. This is not cognitive. This is biological. And it happens unconsciously. Perhaps stated another way, our thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and beliefs make sense when we look at them through the different autonomic states. Instead of a story about motive or morals, we listen to the story through the lens of neuroception. And then our system feels invited into connection, which is that vagal, that ventral vagal state, or our system reacts to a need to protect. And I want to bring that up because we're going to talk about states and stories, which I'm leading into. And I'm going to read something from a book called How to Know a Person, The Art of Seeing Others Deeply and Being Deeply Seen by David Brooks, who quotes another author or is referencing another offer, author <laughs> offer, named Lisa Feldman Barrett. And I'm going to quote this from her book, How Emotions Are Made, which I also have, but it's at work. This is quote, you may think that in everyday life, the things you see and hear influence what you feel, but it's mostly the other way around. What you feel alters your sight and hearing, unquote. So that's Lisa Feldman Barrett. 
you are impacted not by what you see, but what you feel first, because neuroception takes in and then your body responds and then you have a thoughts, feelings, emotions, reaction to it. So people who are scared will take in a scene very differently than someone who is not scared. When listening in a state of fear or being scared, our ears adjust to hear different frequencies. So if you're in a state of fear for whatever reason, and you're listening to something, your auditory system will automatically adjust to focus on high and low frequencies. So that would be a scream, that's a high frequency, or some low rumbling or growly sound rather than the mid-range frequencies, which is where normal human speech is heard. So you feel fear, you hear different sounds. If you are anxious or stressed out, anxiety narrows your attention and actually diminishes peripheral vision. So your visual senses are altered physically by the feeling of anxiety. So if you are feeling anxious, you are actually seeing differently than a person who feels calm and safe. So Lisa Feldman Barrett says, when you, what you feel alters what you see and hear. Not what you see and hear impacts how you feel. So with that in mind, I'm going to read something else. And this is from a book by Deb Dana called Anchored. I haven't read it, so I'm not recommending it. But she says this, we humans are storytellers, meaning making beings, and it is through our autonomic nervous systems that we first create and then inhabit our stories. The information that begins in our biology travels autonomic pathways to the brain, and the brain creates a story to make sense of what's happening in the body. As our biology changes, so do our stories. My paraphrase of that is why I read you what David Brooks quoted in his book that Lisa Barrett Feldman said. Neuroception takes in the information that our autonomic nervous system analyzes and sifts through. Then we create a story and then we inhabit that story by what we feel, what we think, how we behave and what our emotions or thoughts are. And that is, is, is as a result of what our body, the messages that our body is sending to the different places on our vagus nerve. So 
there's this idea that our stories follow our states. So at any given moment, we have three different stories, one held in each state, ventral vagal, sympathetic, and dorsal vagal. The story that we hear and we hang on to is usually from the state that is most active in our system. And this is going to be a hard one to pay attention to this week because it's going to take a lot of attention. And maybe not if you did the exercises last week in terms of mapping or tracking your nervous system or your different states, but I want you to see how you can hold a story in each of your states. And I'm going to give you some examples using some holiday stuff that I've already experienced and that you might experience. So if I were a therapist using this theory in my practice, I would really try and pay attention to what state I believe the story is being told in. So let's start with one of my stories. So today I had some goals. I needed to be productive in certain ways because I have been profoundly unproductive for the past couple of weeks. And so I was really sort of digging my heels in and it didn't go quite the way I wanted it to. So I could feel myself getting, I'm going to use the word cranky, right? But in the vernacular that we've been using and the language that we've been using, I was moving into my sympathetic and I was feeling anxious and mobilized, meaning I felt like I had to fight to get things done. Now, this was mostly internal. I wasn't particularly acting away externally. So this is just my neuroception, not of my external world, but of my internal world. And I wasn't feeling so great. And I had some other things on my mind. I was anxious about, you know, people who I love and care about who are struggling in different ways. And all of this was creating some anxiety, uh, making dinner, taking care of normal things. And it's Christmas tree decorating day. And I haven't done anything to prepare for that. So I'm having all of these feelings. And I'm just anxious. There's nothing really wrong. I am just in a sympathetic state. And I was in a sympathetic state for quite a long time. So the family gathers for dinner, the grandkids come over, and it's chaotic, which is not unusual. And in my sympathetic, mobilized state where I felt anxious and hypervigilant and feeling 
unsafe, not because the people were unsafe, but because there was part of me that really needed peace and quiet to get some things done. But the house was busy and crazy. So that felt unsafe. So I'm feeling all of these things. I don't feel connected with people. Um, I feel like I'm kind of alone in my frustration. I feel like I'm working harder than I need to be or I should be. And so I have all of these different things going on. And the noise, which is people talking, grandbabies talking, yelling, screaming, shrieking, growling, okay, whatever they're doing, I'm hearing the worst parts of the noise. Because in my anxious state, my auditory process hyper focuses on the high pitch and the low pitch. So when a grandchild cries, or when a grandchild shrieks, I'm agitated and stressed out by that noise in a way that I wouldn't necessarily be if I were telling this story from a different state. Now, today I was not in a different state, so I can't honestly tell you that story, but I can tell you that if my day had gone differently, or if my expectations were different, or if I had no expectations, those noises while my grandkids are decorating the tree, asking for ornaments, playing in boxes, helping me decorate, I would have heard those noises differently because I would have been in that connected state where I felt calm, co-regulated, joyful. And so that is a story that can be told from two different states, but it is the state that holds the story, not the story that holds the state. And I hope that makes sense because there's a lot of different things that we feel during the holidays especially in the month of December. So I was thinking of them this morning, all the words that I could describe that come up for me in the month of December. Joy, um, connection, celebration, stress, harried, overplanned, connected, um, grief, regret, hopelessness, hopefulness. All of these words come up for me when I think of the month of December. Loved ones lost, another Christmas without people you care about. Maybe your first Christmas without somebody you love. Maybe you've lost someone. Regret because it's the end of a year and maybe you're not where you wanted to be or maybe you haven't met your goals or any number of other things. Joy because it is a season of celebration and there is a lot to be joyful about. Gratitude because you have some blessings that you can be thankful for. 
hopelessness because maybe things aren't working out the way you planned and this is a very lonely time for you. All of these words can be applied to a state. And when we are in that state, our stories are very different. The same story is held very differently in each one of those states. And I want you to think about that this week as you go through and you see where if you are anxious, you are cutting yourself off from seeing visually and hearing auditorily the world in a more open, peaceful way. If you are shut down, then you also have changed the way you see visually and hear through your auditory system the world. And if you have the resources to move yourself out of these lower level states and into a more co-regulated or state of safety, you have the potential to change everything. I'm going to insert here an explanation about the vagal break. I talked about it a little bit last week. I put up something on the Instagram story this week about what the vagal break is, but I think there's still some uncertainty, which makes sense because I'm even still struggling on how to explain it. But the vagal break is a ventral vagal circuit to the heart that either speeds up or slows down the heart. And so it keeps the ventral vagal system online. Remember, the ventral vagal system is the co-regulated system that we want to be in as often as possible, or at least as close to in that as possible. And we want that system to be in charge so that we use our sympathetic energy without activating ourselves into shutdown. The sympathetic state is the state that a lot of us don't like being in. It feels chaotic. It doesn't feel comfortable there. And a lot of people will drop down into dorsal vagal in order to save themselves from the chaos of the sympathetic state. And then others will just more naturally and resourcefully move into the ventral vagal state. But a lot of people don't like the feeling of being in the sympathetic state where everything feels chaotic and dangerous. So the vagal break is this vagal circuit that helps regulate the heart and creates the ability for a flexible response so that we can respond more intentionally and move up to ventral vagal instead of respond automatically and react in a way that either keeps us in sympathetic or drops us down to dorsal vagal. I hope that's helpful. And this is the practice I want you to do this week. 
I want you to find a non-threatening everyday experience that doesn't really have a huge impact on your life. So we're not looking into trauma. We're not looking into something big in the month of December. Although if it's a holiday related thing, that would be nice. We're just looking for a something kind of mundane. And I want you to look through or uh, in, know, enjoy, experience, think through, I don't know, that experience, look through your two survival states. So that's your sympathetic danger, and that's your dorsal vagal threat. So take that everyday non-threatening experience and look at it through those two survival states and see what comes up for you. So the example would be, okay, I have a lot of things that I have to talk to my family about for the Christmas holidays. They include gifts. Do we want gifts this year? Are we looking for experiences? Do they need money towards things that they want? What kind of gifts and how are we going to do gifts this year? That's one. Who's going to be here for Christmas Day and Christmas Eve? That's another thing. What do we want to do in terms of activities, if anything? Are we doing sub for Santa? Are they going to do secret Santa between all of them? Who is interested in a family vacation, staycation type thing after Christmas? So those were, oh, are they going to do Christmas service this year or is that getting a little bit old? So I have all these things that I need to talk to my family about. So this is the experience. This doesn't really affect my safety or have a big impact on my life. And I'm going to look through this. I'm going to look at this through my two survival states, which is actually easy because this is how I felt when I did it. I knew I had to do this. I have had kids who have said, would you please start sending out the text messages so that we can gather the information so that we know how to start talking about it or thinking about it. And I put it off and I put it off because I was in my sympathetic state because looking at this experience through my sympathetic state, the whole of it, because there's a lot of people in my family, the whole of it feels chaotic. It feels like it's stressful not doing it, but once I do it, then I have to manage all of the responses or I have to follow through when I'm not getting the responses. And then I have to sort of be responsible for having done it and gathering all of the information. So either way I looked at it, I was kind of in a sympathetic, anxious state and nothing about it made me feel joyful or connected or celebratory. And it wasn't anybody's fault. It's just a lot of information that I have to gather back in order to do some planning, which is stressful. So that's my sympathetic state. Looking at that experience through my dorsal state, which is more shut down, right? So that's where you don't feel 
connected. Now, this is a little bit hard because this isn't really a this isn't really a, a terribly traumatic experience. Obviously, this is just doing something. But the properties of the dorsal survival state is you kind of enter a conservation mode. You feel disconnected, maybe a little bit numb or foggy. And so for me, the dorsal survival state was avoidance. I put it off and put it off. I didn't want to put all that information out there in part because I'm a little bit uneasy. And easy is not the word. I'm I'm curious about what their responses are going to be. If all of my kids tell me they don't want to do Christmas service anymore, then that's going to make me feel away, right? If some want to go do a family staycation at the end of the year and some do not, that's going to make me feel away. And so I'm experiencing this from this sort of disconnected, not wanting to engage, a little bit collapsed. I wouldn't go so far as to say I was dissociated or hopeless, but the other things were present. And so you take some time and you look through these experiences or this experience from both of your survival states. And then at the end, you go back up to the ventral state and you tell the story in that state. So the story in that state would be, I have a beautiful family. There are a lot of them. They have great ideas, wonderful suggestions. They love each other. They're willing to do things and be engaged. And I feel this sense of connectedness to them and this sense of joy as I get to plan these things. And it's not going to matter what their responses are because that's not what I'm focused on, because the state that I am looking at all of this through is my ventral state, which is the co-regulated safe state. That's your exercise. And then reflect on what you've learned. Everybody can do this. Everybody experiences this. Everybody has this happen multiple times a day. And right now we're only talking about kind of your middle of the road, average, well-established, not too traumatic experiences. I know people who live in dorsal. I have people who are clients who I'm pretty sure are in dorsal vagal 80% of the time. And I know how hard that is. I don't want any of these podcasts to ignore the fact that some of you who are listening are thinking, she's not talking to me. And I'm not specifically, but I understand. And maybe before the end of the year or into the next year, I will do one that is more focused on the dorsal vagal and how you can resource. So don't despair. But I do want you to Practice this to the extent that you can. Reflect on what you've learned. Share what you've learned in any of the podcasts. Tell me what your experiences have been. I really, really want to know. I need more feedback because it's the feedback that helps guide the direction of the podcasts. So what is a vagal break was one of the questions that someone asked. And so I hope I was able to answer that. Um, I do like the feedback that I have had. I really appreciate it. 
uh, holidays might be a good, easy way to access experiences that are that feel safe to use in terms of exploring your autonomic nervous system. So that's why I'm using that. And holidays can be, I mean, holidays are as wonderful as they are difficult. So that's part of the reason. All right. I think I'll probably end here. And I did have a thought this week come up about using, about going back to the three circles and holidays and maybe weaving in some polyvagal with that. So I think I'll tease that one. Three circles, polyvagal, holidays next week. Ha, huh, we'll see. Emily Dickinson said, the soul should always stand ajar, ready to welcome the ecstatic experience and have a great week. Mm -hmm.